0: Now, we're, we're in the middle of uh, really 18 through 20. These these three chapters are talking about what it means to be holy. Last evening, we talked about 19 verse two, where it says you shall speak to the people of Israel and say you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. And then verses uh, chapters 18 and 20 are roughly parallel. And, and they will talk about mostly what you should not do. Well, chapter 19 is talking more about the positive commands, although there's things that you should not do as well. And, and there's lots of parallels here. And so this, this sermon will be thematic, but we'll be reading from chapter 18 and spending most of our time there. Uh, a few notes before we go through this, this whole chapter. I want you to see three parts. Uh, the first five verses is is really what you might call the covenant preamble. this is these are this covenantal language that God is bringing in, reminding people of the relationship that he has to his people and then why they're to live a certain way. And then verses six, Through 23, uh, you can break it up into two segments, but that segment there is really getting specific about what that looks like. And there's there's some language in there um, talks about close relatives. Literally, that's flesh of your flesh. We might say flesh and blood. And so it's it's going to be very specifically talking about. Who to marry in, in relationships. And what it's doing is drawing very firm boundaries around God's plan for marriage. And so it seems a bit overdone. We're going to read a lot of these commands. But it's, it's, it's highlighting it by its repetition. And, and marking it off in very many ways. And it talks about nakedness. And this is to uncover someone's nakedness. is a phrase for, for sexual intimacy. And then in verses 24 through the end of 30. It's going to give the reasons why you should live this way. Giving further reasons for living in the covenant with God. So let us give careful attention to God's word. Leviticus chapter 18. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you live. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, your father's daughter, or your mother's daughter. Whether brought up in the family or in another home. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or of your daughter's daughter. For their nakedness is your own nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter. Brought up in your father's family. Since she is your sister You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, she is your father's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, that is, you shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law, she is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife, it is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and of her daughter, and you shall not take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are her relatives. It is depravity. And you shall not take a woman as a rival wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is in her menstrual uncleanliness. You shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife, and so make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Moloch, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. You shall not lie with an animal, and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is perversion. Do not make yourself unclean by any of these things. For by all these, the nations I am dr- else before you have become unclean, and the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. but you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you, for the people of the land who were before you did all of these abominations, so that the land became unclean, lest the land vomit you out. When you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nations that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the person who do the, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. So keep my charge, never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you, and never to make yourself unclean by them. I am the Lord, your God. Please pray with me. Father, we confess before you that all scripture is is God-breathed and is profitable for our understanding and learning. And now as we come to your word, Father, we ask that we would see a glimpse of your holiness and the freedom and the joy that we have when we follow your ways. When the New Testament, God calls you to live differently. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. The Apostle Paul says, you are to put off the deeds of the old self, and put on the deeds of the new self. Peter, quoting Leviticus, says, you are to be holy as the Lord your God is holy. But what does that actually mean? What does that look like in practice? What we've been seeing is that being in covenant changes you. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, life will look very different for you, both in what you do and what you don't do. Last week we said that holiness is, is a reality that, that, that produces a resulting action. God has made you holy and so you are to be holy. And that is a positive aspect. You love what the Lord loves. But there's also a negative aspect that you hate what the Lord hates. It's not a personal improvement or project like ne- next New Year's resolution, but it is an ongoing transformation being in a covenant relationship with God. And so tonight we're going to look at one half of God's call to holiness to hate what Yahweh hates. The Lord your God is a jealous God. He places demands on your life. And that means that you are to hate what he hates. Now we're going to spend a, uh, several sermons on this. And then we'll move on to the positive parts. As I've already said, we'll be pulling through chapters 19 and 20 as well. But, but mainly working from 18. And the first thing I want you to see here is that God calls you to be different. If you follow... Jesus, your life will be different. If you look at the first few verses, the Lord is very clear. You shall not. And then he lists. You shall not do as they do the Egyptians from, from where they were for the last 400 years, the Canaanites, to where they're going. This is, this is Israel's nation, neighbors. It's the world in which they lived. It was the, the culture. What's, what's culture? It's kind of the, the default setting. It's what makes sense. It's what people want. It's their their dreams. It's their stories. It's all that wrapped into everyday life, just subtly in the background. It says, very clearly, do not walk in their statutes, verse 3. Now, walking is a way of life. Right. Walking implies, the NIV says live, but I, I like the word walking better. It implies a direction, a step-by-step continued action. We were talking with a friend this week who had over for dinner and, and how she completed a mammoth march, it was a 20-mile hike over Hill and Dale, it took her nine hours with her friends. Step by step by step. It's a a constant action in a direction. It reminds you of what David says in Psalm 1. You do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. There's that direction. There's an agreement. There's a side by side. It says, do not walk in their statutes. Now, kids, what's a statute? Not to be confused with statue, like the Statue of Liberty. There's an extra T in there. We Barshingers have statutes in our family. Uh, one of them is when our kids go outside, they are able to go up to the parking lot on the lawn side, staying in the grass, or up to the speed bump on the church side without adult supervision. But no further. Those are statutes given by our parents to protect the children. And, and so these statutes are, are boundaries. They are borders which trace out what is acceptable. Listen to uh, this same word. It's the word hoke. In Hebrew. In Jeremiah five twenty two, as the Lord's talking, um, do you not fear me, he says, declares the Lord. Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as a boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass, though the waves toss, they cannot prevail, though they roar, they cannot pass over it. That that perpetual barrier is the same word, for statute. And so God has given us certain boundaries. He's saying, don't live your life according to the lines drawn by the world around you. I mean, this is natural. To, it's, it's important because it's, a, it's, it's natural as a human to follow the pattern around it. That's, that's how we do it. You, you want to fit in. You want to get along with the group. If you move to an area, you notice how maybe your, your, your accent changes. I, in fact, my, my Carl Truman, some of you may know him. He was my professor. And when you know, he, he keeps his British accent, he maintains his British accent. And so there'd be sometimes in seminary, he would say how, do you say, how do you say controversy? Controversy, say controversy? Okay, controversy. He was purposefully maintaining his accent because he knew he could slide and he didn't want to lose it. So you don't follow the world's statutes, but, but you shall walk in my rules and statutes. So God has boundaries. He has these lines. He also has rules. This, the word here is mishpat. It means uh, something coming from a judge. The judge is shafat in Hebrew. And it's a declaration that a judge gives. So there's boundaries and declarations. And he says, I am the Lord. Now I want you to notice here are two standards. One coming from the surrounding nations. The other is coming from the Lord himself. A commentator, Gordon, Wenham says helpfully that these standards, God doesn't spend a lot of time saying why. Here are the five reasons why you should do this. This is how you'll have a better life. If you, you know, he just says, I am the Lord. Basic principles, rooting creation, I am the Lord your God. Three times in five verses. And what God is calling us to do here, calling you to do, is to remember his authority as God in your relationship with him. So let's see now how God calls you to be different. We says to his people, Do you be different from the nations around you? Now they're, they're coming out of Egypt, they're going into Canaan, and so there are many sinful, idolatrous practices. And, and what we read here is not an exhaustive list. Not, how to, a single, not every way how to be different from the unbelieving world, but he's pointing out several glaring patterns that he sees. And so he talks significantly about sexual relations talk all about the family relationships and what is appropriate and what is not and as i said we're reading this is setting off the boundaries of family as as what is good and to be blessed by god Uh, notice also there's there is um there's genesis language here he talks about flesh just about the two becoming one flesh this is why there's certain boundaries that you don't uh, transgress. The Apostle Paul mentioned that in 2 Corinthians, talking about why you wouldn't join yourself to a prostitute, because the two become one flesh. And so here he's saying there's a, there's a givenness in what God has given in the good creation of Genesis, and you are to follow that. Probably also protecting the family, because the, the, the covenant family is the way that the godly offspring comes forward. That's how God has commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, and so now Israel taking that up. And whatever it is, though, God is very clear; these are the boundaries for which you you uh, carry out marriage. And and then he goes on to read other; he talks about other perverse practices, verses nineteen through twenty-three. Now, these are all serious actions; they're they're all going against the the purpose of sexuality. They're all violating God's design. You could say they're not producing children. They're they're destroying marriage through, adult, uh, through adultery. Certainly, sacrificing your children would be ripping your family apart. Um, male-on-male intimacy, and by implication, lesbianism too, goes against God's design. And, and then the intercourse with animals. And you can really see in that verses 19 through 23 kind of a, a descending into depravity and further deviance from God's plan. But again, he's saying these are all out of bounds. You you are to be different. The nations were to do these. Now, I know there's a lot of questions today, perhaps perhaps not here. Maybe, maybe so. It would be okay if there's questions. But uh, certainly many raging questions in the society about homosexual practices. And, and if you, you look at, you know, someone will say, well, if verse 19 no longer applies, laws about impurity and cleanliness, then why does 22 Still apply. That's a very common argument. Um, this is an important conversation of that. We're going to spend a whole sermon on this. But the short answer is that ceremonial impurity is fulfilled in Christ. Whereas the prohibition against homosexuality is, is not only grounded in creation, and, and it's also strongly reaffirmed in the New Testament. There's no hint anywhere that this is not part of God's abiding law. Um, but, but we will actually dig into that a little deeper at another time. And so the Lord very clearly places boundaries uh, against uh, in sexual relationships. He also is very clear about idolatry and witchcraft. Now, you only see a little bit of that in chapter 18, where he commands not to offer children to Moloch. Um, But you see that more in 19 and 20. So we'll just read a little bit. Um, 19 verse 4 says, do not turn to idols or make for yourselves gods of any cast metal. I am the Lord, your God. Turning to chapter 20, reading the first five verses. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Save the people of Israel. Any one of the people of Israel or the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against the man and will cut him off from his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do all do at all close their eyes to the man when he gives one of his children to Moloch and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people. He and all who follow him in whoring after Moloch. And so the Lord has a very strong prohibition here. Not some, although He's condemning. Child sacrifice here, it's more focusing on the idolatrous aspect, the relationship of worshipping another god. Several places also witchcraft is condemned. You read the next verse, chapter 20, verse 6. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers, pouring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. And so as you see here, idolatry is, is giving your devotion and honor to another god. Witchcraft is, is trying to use techniques to manipulate the world in a way to get what you want instead of relying on the Lord to provide for you. And the Lord clearly condemns these things. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on witchcraft and idolatry specifically in this sermon. I'll just note that if I were preaching this in Africa, this would be a completely different sermon. We'd um, be spending much more time... On paganism and syncretistic religions and ancestor worships and probably much less time on going later on in other sermons on sexual relationships. Like, yeah, we got that. And I think it's just helpful to note that God's word challenges every single culture throughout the world. It speaks to us in different ways. And although it speaks to us a certain way, brothers and sisters are, are being guided in other ways and taught as well. And so what we see here in these commands of what to avoid, the Lord is highlighting, although there's many other things, the, the sexual perversion, the idolatry, the witchcraft, which were all rampant in the world around Israel. And it certainly would have been easy or natural for them to fall into that way of thinking. And in fact, archaeology has shown there's, there's pictures of, of two godlike uh, paintings, of two godlike figurines, and it actually says Yahweh and his Asherah. Right? That's, that's blasphemous. It's it's first making an image of God, but it's also it's people in that area taking Yahweh and mixing it with other gods, bringing him down to their level, including others. But you can see how how they might do that. Now, how do we apply this clear command to not be like the nations around us? Well, it starts be smart. We must be different. Isaiah says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And today we live in a world that increasingly does just. That. I think the early church is very helpful here. Um, the early church was, was intentionally different without being purposely weird. Um, they were not seeker-sensitive. Um, they were very much upfront on the costs of following Jesus. They, they had an extensive discipleship program where you, you, you were part of what they called the catechumens for sometimes years before you were let into the church. Because they were, they were easily misunderstood as, as those who were doing all these, these strange things, drinking blood and sacrificing and, and, and all these things, which, of course, was a misunderstanding. But they, were, they stood strong in that and, and were simply boldly living out what the Lord said. For us, well, that means that, oh, of course, in our vocation, we're different. In our, in our education, the way we educate our kids, we're different. In, in the way that we spend our money and our lifestyle, you are to be different. And, and even when you do the same things, it's often for a very different reason. I, I was going through the VA process, the Veterans Administration process, and talking with other soldiers, and it, it was discouraging how many of them were just giving me tips on how to just lie, really, to, to get a better claim. And um, you, know, you, you hear this from, from soldiers, and, and then I was talking with the attorney, and um, she was reviewing my case, and she said, yours is pretty straightforward, and said, do you have any other issues? She said, no, nope, cancer and kidney, that's pretty much something. She said, you, you sure? I said, no, nope, no. Nope. you were in a combat zone, certainly, certainly you may have some mental fatigue or some distress, no, no. I mean, it's, it's kind of discouraging sometimes. But certainly, you know, you, you saw really that. And certainly some... the final I said, you no, know, I'm not trying to milk the system here. Um, I, I'm asking to be cared for, but no more. And I kind of wish now I would have said, without preaching as a, as a Christian, I, I must saw the truth. I trust God that will provide for us. even Even when we are going and seeking right support or whatever it is, we have different motivations. Now, one specific application is that coming right from... Leviticus 18 is that we as Christians must live in a way that honors godly sexuality, whether we are married or single. God's very clear in this passage and in other places that, that sexual intimacy is, is for marriage between a man and a woman. Now, in, in this congregation here, many of you are saying, Of course, I know that. I will tell you as a chaplain, How many soldiers who would call themselves Christians, who might even go to a church, would not think twice, wouldn't even even stop to consider that there might be something wrong with me moving in with my girlfriend before we get married. And so there is a place for us to draw firm lines um, to say, no, this is wrong. The Lord has a very specific place for sexuality and for young people as you're growing up, not only in, in your own convictions that the, I am going to honor the Lord this way, but, but even the way that you talk to your friends and, and not necessarily in a preaching way, but in a way that shows what God's will is. It, it is so rampant. You've probably heard the, the, the phrase, you know, well, you kick the tires before you drive a car. You know why not? Why not move in with your boyfriend or girlfriend? I mean, the obvious answer is a boyfriend or girlfriend is not a car, um, and, and 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 it's very different. We could say a lot more about that, but those are the lines that that God uh, has drawn. The same thing with divorce. Um, divorce is. It's commonplace today. It's, it's just something that hey, doesn't work out, as we heard in Sunday school today. For some of you, it's just something, if it doesn't work out, well, then we can move on. And, and we as a church ha- have really fallen down on the job. We've been far too slow to cru- casually crit- critique what casual divorce is. This is something that's devastating for God's plan. And so as a church, these lines, we say, no, this is what the Lord has called. With, with the few exceptions that, that the Lord has given for divorce, it is not an option. And so, as we are God's people, and we want to honor His His sexuality, uh, the same would would be said for, for crude joking. Um, we should not be celebrating or or saturating ourselves with with content that um, in in songs or, or comedians or entertainment that drags sexuality through the mud. Um, some of you may know that uh, heard of the the um, conservative group, the Daily Wire, and they just had a satire on. Um, transgender men in sports. And while I applaud people who are trying to point out the, the, the flaws of this, um, in, that, in that show, in doing that, they drug with sophomore humor and all kinds of crude and, and gross jokes, godly sexuality through the mud. And then I, I, I saw some Christians saying, hey, this is a great show. I think, I think we've missed something here. A call to be serious, a call to be holy. Now, it doesn't mean that we can, set, can insulate ourselves from profanity. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, right before, I, I'm not telling you to go out of the world to not associate with unbelievers, but not to celebrate it, not to wallow in it. we to follow God's boundaries. And is it interesting, just as it was in Leviticus 18 and in 1 Corinthians 6, and in today, that idolatry and sexuality are, are, are part of that. Now, we all sin and repent. Um, each one of us can receive grace from the Lord in, in any area of sin, certainly sexual impurity as well. But this is not to be an area where we are just like the world. Now, concerns is, well, this, this all this talk about avoiding things, this sounds like legalism. It sounds like blind duty. Um, have you ever heard this? Christians should be known more by what they are for than for what they are against. ever heard that before? Christians are to be known more for what they're for than by what they're against. Um, sounds nice, right? And how should we evaluate that? Well, there's a lot of things Christians should be for. Um, and there's wisdom to know when we simply to live differently and, and when we talk about it openly. Um, but really, this is a faulty dilemma. We are supposed to be for and against certain things. Early Christians were good at both. They were radically different. They were also incredibly sacrificial. A loving community that drew people in, and so we should say on the one hand, yes, we should avoid being unreasonably obstinate. I'm going to pick on Apple computers here for a bit. Um, Fifteen years ago, I, I had the first chance to work on an Apple computer while editing a paper that we had a we had a, a professor at Westminster, excellent writing professor, a very smart woman, except she chose an Apple. So there must be something good about Apple. But I, it was to the point where I couldn't even use it. I was, I, I, and I. The one button mouse, no backspace, and thinking, Apple, I understand if you want to be different. But if you're going to be different, at least be better. Be different for a reason. And so we as Christians shouldn't be purposely contrary. If If we're different, it should be grounded by something in God's word. But when there is that conflict, and it is different, then we must fight against the world's standards. And that's where you must not only be known for what you're for, but what you're against. So why is this? Why are you to be different? Well, the Lord gives reasons, starting in 18 verse 5. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Why is that obedience? Obedience. Gives life. This, is, this is covenant language. And we talked about you know, the idolatry and the worship, which, which really gets to the, the idea of unfaithfulness. Right? There's the covenant language. It's, 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 a, it's spiritual adultery. God wants to keep us from that and bring us into this fulfilling relationship. If you go to Leviticus 20... At the end, again, some of the, the reasons why you should do this. Listen to the blessings, verse chapter twenty, verse twenty-four. But I have sent you; you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess—a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God. Here, God desires Israel to live in the land. It's, it's the land of the promise of His presence. This is where they're enjoying God in all of his fullness. They've already been reconciled by the Day of Atonement, brought into him. Now this land is the sign of living with God. This is what I want from you. This is what he says. He says, choose life. And so the reason why we would avoid these things is to choose life. Another reason is because you see disobedience brings judgment and death. He says, because if you don't, you will be vomited out of the land like they were vomited out. Uh, This is where... The Lord uses strong language, and there are times when we should also use strong language. Do you hear the language there? Abominations. Abominable customs. Depravity. Perversion. We read these things in 18. The Lord does not have a slight dislike of these things. These are repugnant to him. These are contrary to his holy will. And, and it's so bad, he says, the land will become unclean and it vomits it out. It's a picture, like the land is a person who's eaten a really bad meal. Kids, have you ever had a bad stomach ache? And I mean a really bad stomach ache. Where your body just gets rid of everything and it just keeps trying. There's, there's nothing so gross as completely emptying your stomach. I hope you all have a bad taste in your mouth right now. And that's that's what this is supposed to bring up. This is not pleasant. This is disgusting. What 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 is the sin or what, why does the sin make the land vomit out? Right, because the land is that picture of Eden. It's the life in the presence of the Lord. And, and, and so, if just like Adam and Eve, you will be expelled from the land. And here's the picture of judgment. If you look, verse chapters 18 through 20, cut off from the people. That that phrase. Seven times. Um, now that's talking about God's judgment. Other times God commands the people to execute stoning. But God says these, these things are abominations. They're utterly disgusting, and I will bring judgment to the nations for their sinful ways. And here we get to the sermon title You must, in you know, the holy hatred, you must hate what the Lord hates. Not, not act in hateful ways, but, but actively avoiding this lifestyle because you know the consequences. To, to run from it, to hate it, and to warn other people as well. And part of the Christian life is is renouncing and fighting and denouncing sin. A life where we we live within God's boundaries. The Lord has a divine hatred for sin. Listen into the New Testament, how God calls his people to love and to hate. This is from Revelation, the the, the letters to the churches. First of all, listen to what the Lord says to the church in Ephesus. He he commends them for for much of what they have done. But then in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So the Lord says, "There's you, you need to capture your first love, but, but I commend you for hating these detestable sins. On the other time, on hand, the church in Thyatira For overall, the Lord commends them for standing. But then he says this in Revelation 2, verse 20. But I have this against you, that you tolerate... Interesting, we hear a lot about tolerance today. I thought that was a loving thing. But that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. And so you see you must actively flee wickedness and hate what the Lord hates. So how does this affect us in our day-to-day discipleship?
1: Well, one of the things is that Leviticus provides the background when Jesus calls us to discipleship, when he calls us to sacrifice, when we're to- told to put off and to put on, when we're told
0: to be holy, you should have this attitude of what it means to living in these boundaries, living differently from the nations. And this should even help you as you face your own battles of your own sin, that God is showing you the way to live. You know, sometimes, if you're honest, if you know your heart, it's still bent in that sinful way as you're, as you're fighting against it. And, and you don't do something. You, you avoid it because you know you shouldn't. But there's a part of you that still really wants it. And you're miserable. I'm doing this because I have to, but not because I want to. It's kind of like trying to lose weight. And so I'm not going to eat that chocolate cake that's over there. But I'm not happy about it. And we'll talk more about that in the next sermon. But I want you to see here that the Lord is giving you a a, a paradigm for discipleship. I am the Lord your God. I I bought you. I've set you apart as special to know me. I've given you new boundaries that are good and life-giving. And even when you can't see that, even when you don't feel that, you can trust me. Just like a child chooses to trust their parent who says, don't touch the stove. Choose life and live. And when the New Testament calls you to holiness and sanctification, this is the background, that you hate what God hates. Because in Christ you have something that is so much better. And you don't want to be robbed of Jesus. And so people of God, living in covenant with the Lord changes you. And you cannot enter into that eternal relationship with the Holy of God and the universe and stay the same. And so this week, may we go out and and hate what God hates. Um, Not being hateful, but but taking that stand, living within those boundaries, even drawing those boundaries, not because we know we should or we have to, but because we're holy we want to live with God. Please pray with me. Father, I pray for each of your children here who soon will go out into the world and... And interact with their friends and their neighbors and their coworkers and their family around them. And, and, and people who, who, because they don't belong to you, have a very different goal and a very different way of living. Would your boundaries call to us? Would we actively avoid them? Would you give us a holy hatred of our own sin? And then be able to live in a way that is different, that brings you honor, that proclaims Christ. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.